Welcome to Impact the World, the show for and about creatives, changemakers, and entrepreneurs. This is a conversation episode where a special guest shares with me what they are creating and the behind the scenes journey of their experience. Welcome to Impact the World. And this week, my guest is Wendy DeRosa. Wendy just released a book with New World Library, and it's called Becoming an Empowered Empath. It's a wonderful book with not only insights, but also exercises and meditations. And Wendy has been working for over two decades as a teacher of intuition and sensitivity. And so it was great to have this conversation with her about her own experiences of realizing the, the levels of empathy that she is operating with. So we speak not only about the book itself and some of the areas that empaths have to ex deal with, experience, heal, clear, but also some of her journey as a teacher, her journey as a mother, especially over the last year or so. And it was a great conversation. So I hope you enjoy. If you are a fan of the show, please do rate or subscribe at Apple Podcasts. Or if you're watching on YouTube, do subscribe to the channel so that you get notified of new episodes. And for more from Wendy, you can go to wendyderosa.com. And as ever, we put links in the show notes. But for now, enjoy this conversation. Wendy, it's a real treat to have you here today. Thank you so much. And congratulations on this beautiful, beautiful book um, that's full of so many different, so many different ways of understanding ourselves as empaths and tools and ways to strengthen our way of being in the world. So yeah, congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. How, I'm curious before we go into some of the details in the book, how have you found the process of writing the book, releasing the book into the world? Because I know it's a, it's a big thing and we've had several authors on the show and we've talked about the journey that you go on as someone becoming an author in this way. How has it been for you? Well, in terms of writing, actually writing the book and getting all the thoughts down, I, this, is, this is not, this is my third or fourth, I have a third book, we'll say. But early on, maybe in my second book, I was pregnant with my daughter and I figured out that if I could voice to text on my walks, I could get a book written. <laughs> so I figured that out pretty early on in the, um, in the book writing process. And so when this book came around, it was, it was interesting because I actually didn't consider myself an empath. I mean, I didn't necessarily call myself an empath. I, I was an intuitive. I was an intuitive healer. I was an intuitive teacher. You know, I, I connect to my spirit guides. I, you know, it's sort of the full spectrum, but I had a very um, extensive background in the energetic system and the body. And so I understood what was happening for empaths. And then I realized that this is what I'm go I, I'm this also. And so it was an interesting process of, of, you know, having time where I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going, I, I ended up 
doing a lot walking and getting a lot of my ideas down um, because I just, I found for me, the flow happened when I was more in nature, when I was more, had moments when I was away from being mom and being, you know, being in, in my day to day. And so those writing moments, I sort of had to seize them and they were, they were oftentimes unconventional times. I mean, just again, movement or, you know, not necessarily sitting in front of the computer. And then when I got home, I could start to take all of that information and sort of organize it into, into chapters. Um, so that was sort of my process in writing this book. Well, it's interesting you talk about knowing that you were an intuitive and you were an intuitive teacher, but, but the empath thing hit you later. Um, because you have, you know, one of the things I really like in, in the book is you, you talk about upper body and lower body intuition. And you speak about, you know, how, how lower body intuition is more claircognizance and the sense of knowing and the empathic sense of feeling. And then the upper body uh, is, relates more towards channeling and mediumship and uh, intuitive messages, which I'd, I'd never heard broken down in that way, but it made total sense to me um, as soon as I read it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is that is a big uh, premise too of of sort of the energetic system and intuition. Empaths will often relate to being. Um, sometimes they'll, you know, they'll relate to taking on the energy of others, and they'll relate to feeling overwhelmed and overly sensitized, and sometimes very symptomatic. But what will happen sometimes is that empaths aren't just empaths. They also might be mediums. They also might be clairvoyants. And sometimes these words, these labels are very, you know, they're very woo-woo. But um, they, what's, what I, I hope that, you know, comes out of reading the book for people, that when people read it is that there's an understanding that there is, there's, there's a very normal way that our energy bodies are um, intuitive, intuitive in the upper, upper chakras and intuitive in the lower chakras. And the chakras specifically relate to the aspects of intuition, the seeing, hearing, feeling, and knowing. And so being able to put all of that together really gives people a framework for understanding how intuition works in their bodies. Yeah. And, and I like I feel like in our time, we're beginning to be allowed to identify and own all of these aspects of spirituality and spiritual being that we all possess to some degree or another. But, but I like what, you, what you're speaking about here is that idea of the boxes. So you can be told you're an empath and one person will tell you, well, this is what it's like for an empath. But of course, for someone else, not only is it going to show up a little differently for them, but it also depends who, what else you are, who else you are. So for example, you're a mom, you're an author, you're a partner, you're a teacher, you're a student, you're, you know, we're all these many things. And I, I, I feel like, and hope that we're moving into a time where a book like yours could allow somebody to claim the empathic parts of themselves without necessarily having to box themselves in, in one label, but instead to, to perhaps bring an understanding of that label into their life. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the phrases I often say to empaths is that this is the experience that you're having. And the deeper work is about identifying 
your, your true self and who you're here to be. And you are more than an empath. You are not just an empath, you know, it's, it's learning how to ultimately embody ourselves and who we're here to be. I love that you said that you kind of realized through writing the book that you were more of an empath than you thought. So what was that like? What was the, what was either the moment or moments of realization for you as you were, as you were creating this? I'm curious how it affected or shifted the way that you see yourself either now or in the past. Yeah, you know, and I always told my story um, from the lens of I was a very sensitive child. And sensitive certainly means I was feeling a lot of what was going on around me. But but I was very, I, I, I realized now as an adult, knowing knowing what I know now that I really had, you know, a very upper body and lower body intuition going on. I had four aspects really activated and to a small child and an adolescent and someone who doesn't know that that's very overwhelming and not fun, actually, (laughs) you know, it's, it doesn't feel like a gift until you turn to it or learn more about it or move in that direction. But then, you know, I started to really realize that so much of what I absorbed into my system at a very young age was the empathic experience. And that as I developed in my teenage years, I I mean, I developed depression, I developed anxiety, I gained a lot of weight as a child. Um, I could walk into the room and feel what everybody had, you know, what was going on for them. And, um, and it, it wasn't until I, uh, I mean, I, I had an, an account, I had an angel encounter on the street in, in, in Boston. And I basically, I don't know if you want me to go into the story, but yes, I, I wrote please. about it. Yeah. So yeah. I, I came out of a nervous breakdown. That's what I called it. It was panic attacks. I went to the hospital. I, I was really in tough shape and I was in my third semester in college in Boston and I was trying to decide coming out of there if I finished the year, if I finished the semester, excuse me, or if I leave and forfeit tuition, it was a big decision. And my roommate and I at the time said, well, let's just go for a walk and we'll, you know, we'll talk it through. So we're talking it through and I'm telling her I'm having this call to Colorado. I don't, I don't, this is pre-internet. This is pre-Facebook call. I've seen it in a magazine. I had no other reference point for it, but I was called uh, feeling it and moving in this direction. And I ended up, we turned the corner at like Massachusetts Avenue and Newberry Street. There used to be a Tower Records on the corner. And I I, I turn the corner and there's a man standing there and he's got a red jacket and he's carrying a ukulele and he has a, well, that's what I saw at first. And so he says, can I sing you a song for some spare change? And we said, no, that's okay. And he looks at me and he says, no, Wendy, you need to hear a song. And at that point, I look at him and he's got a glow around his head this way, sort of vertically around his head. And he says, no, don't worry about the change. My name is Arius and I'm going to sing you a song. And he sings me, he gets down on one knee and he sings me this song, Home on the Range Where the Buffalo Roam. One day you're going to get to Colorado. And he stands up and he gives me a kiss on the cheek and he vanishes behind me. And 
my roommate and I look at each other and look back and he's gone and she goes darting off to see if she can find him. And I'm having a transmission experience <laughs> on the street in Boston where my anxiety is being completely healed in that moment. And she comes back and she's like, do you know what that was? And I said, yeah, I absolutely know what that was. And everything shifted after that. I finished my semester. I did move to Colorado. I had um, found a healing teacher. I was I was a musician the majority of my life and singer songwriter, and so I I wasn't serious about being a healer. I was wanted to be a rock star, <laughs> a musician, and so I I pursued um, you know healing work, you know, and I played music and you know, I kind of did both until it became very clear that I was swimming upstream this musical direction. And I was really being invited to step into this practice. And, and that's how it evolved for me. Um, but again, I always considered myself an intuitive healer, eventually an intuitive healer teacher as students wanted to learn more. But once I started to recognize, you know, not only are we navigating, and this is what made, this is what the inspiration to write the book came out of, sort of the navigation of the trauma field. And, you know, everything that had been stirring over the last four to five, six years in the field and people having overly empathic experiences. And I just, I had this awareness and background of the energy body and what what what's happening in the body. And I just felt that, if if I if we could you know if I could provide this information, it could be so helpful for all of us, including myself, because I'm I'm practicing the work, you know, and being able to move through this massive you know evolution that we're in right now. Yeah. It's interesting. I remember many many years ago channeling. So channeling is a part of my work and. I remember channeling some messages. It, it was probably around 2007, 2008. And they were saying that you're going to see the world become far more feeling in the next decade. And I've joked about this before that my interpretation of that was, oh, great, everyone's going to be all touchy-feely. Um, but of course, it didn't necessarily mean that. And, and I think if you, as you said, look at the last three, four years and how a lot of the unhealed, unacknowledged, and acute trauma is now coming to the surface for all of us as a collective. It did strike me that the book just came out this year. And I thought, oh, interesting, after 2020 and the year that amplified so many of the things you're talking about, the anxiety, the panic attacks. And as I was listening to you, I remember my own breakdown, my own panic attacks. So much of your story is hilariously very similar to mine. And I'm sure for people who are listening or watching, and so I think, again, it comes back to, are we allowed to own that part of ourselves as empaths? Because when I grew up, and I'm sure same for you, it wasn't talked about. It wasn't, I think I only really first heard the term empath 20 years ago when someone told me I was one. And I thought, oh, she's just being nice. I'm sure I'm not like her. I, I, I see who she is and what she's doing in the world. But the difference for her was she'd understood it. And so it was now her gift rather than her curse, which really is what, what the book does. I think it kind of invites you to understand it, own it, use it, but also know how to navigate some of the trickier parts 
of your empathy and how they get tied up in our trauma or our ancestral stuff or things that we've gone through in life that trigger us. And I think often that's when it can get more activated too. So it's so important to be able to navigate all of that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting about the feeling guidance that you got because part of empathic work. So, so a lot of times empaths feel that I'm an empath, therefore I take on the energy of others. But the, the empath is someone who feels the energy of others. Taking on other people's energy is called overly empathic. It's, a, it's actually a different experience. But there's many, there's many tools and things we can do in healing we can do to, to shift that, like why we're absorbing. But one of them, talking about feelings, is that we've been culturally, perhaps patriarchally in a system, we've been conditioned to, to fear our emotions, to have shame around our emotions. And a lot of, I mean, a lot of us, I I mean, I, I'm making big generalizations here, but a lot of people received the teachings, quote unquote, you know, children are meant to be seen, not heard, or you're punished if you're, if you show anger, or I'm sending you to bed without supper, without giving a child a connection, you know, this, this shame that we've experienced around our emotions is part of what ends up happening for empaths is that we're carrying so much of our own unprocessed stuff in the lower chakras specifically. And some of that is shame of our own feelings. And so literally in a split second, if somebody were having an emotion around me and it's, I'm my inner, my youth, my inner self is afraid in that moment, I have a regression in that moment. In a split second, my body says, that's not safe. That's not okay if someone expresses anger. And so I end up fight, flight, or freezing or disconnecting. And that's the moments when transference happens mm -hmm. energetically. But when we learn to have our own emotions and to ground ourselves and to be okay with the feelings and let them flow and challenge all of those old teachings that we've gotten, then we, we increase our capacity to be able to stay present in ourselves. And that's part of boundaries is staying present in our bodies. And it's funny you bring that up because one of the most powerful turning points I had was being able to be with someone when they were in their feelings and not go into some kind of auto response, you know, to kind yeah. of be in front of someone and going, oh, they're really struggling, but I don't have to save them, do anything, kind of bring something. Because yeah. uh, I, I did that unconsciously, as I think many of us do for years on, on autopilot. And there was a breakthrough for me in my 30s where I was like, oh, no, you need to allow yourself to be uncomfortable with the discomfort in the room without doing anything about it. You need to you need to have a different relationship to it, um, yeah. which I, I think not many of us are taught that's a power of an empowered empath is to be able to hold space. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to hold space and let this person be where they are and think about it from the receivers and how many people, how many of us need that? Just someone to hold space and let us cry it out or talk it through or let it out and, and to be able to be and stay with ourselves and be able to hold space is, is very, is a very 
empowered empath experience. And the shame that you mentioned really pinged many memories for me of being a, an emotional kid and feeling that I was too much or that I shouldn't be that emotional and I didn't know how to like reorganize them to kind of get rid of them so it was more convenient and that's just so common. Um, yeah. But I love, you know, there's a quote that you have, empaths are here to help raise consciousness, leading by example with true sensitivity and heart. And that, that to me is truth and has been for years, but I, I loved seeing the way you expressed it there. I'm curious if you could elaborate for someone who likes the quote, here's the quote, but how do you see that playing out, empaths helping raise the consciousness by leading by example in that way? So, you know, I, I believe empaths, part, a lot of the book talks about the deep healing we need to do in the lower three chakras. When we're talking about consciousness evolution, what we're experiencing is, you know, sort of the rise of, of spiritual consciousness. And at the same time, it's like, I, I joke about it this way. I say that mother earth during the pandemic, like grounded us all. You're grounded for a year. You can't go anywhere. You gotta sit in your, gotta sit in your root chakras and think about things and what happens, but there's a lot of unearthing that has happened in the last, you know, pandemic year, year and a half and, and beyond and further back that we have this unearthing experience and part of our consciousness evolution specifically for empaths is not that we're overwhelmed by that, but that we do heal our part in it. We do heal, I call it the low, lower chakra healing. So first, second and third chakras relate to our humanity and everything that we're carrying through on that, that human level. and. And for, for most of us, for, for a lot of empaths, we're sort of, we sort of have learned to disconnect from the lower chakras and live a little higher in the body. And part of our consciousness evolution is how do I reclaim the power in my trust and safety in myself and in my second chakra, my empathic nature and my intuition and my sexuality and my sensitivity? And how do I be present in, in the fullness of my solar plexus, my identity, and, and be who I'm here to be. And so there's a way that, you know, in this, to be able to be in our hearts, we, it, 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 we, we from my perspective, my personal opinion, we, um, it's part of, it's about being embodied in the lower chakras. Otherwise the heart's doing all the work mm -hmm. for an empath to say, I'm going to, I'm going to be in my heart and give myself away in the lower half of my body, being in the heart's not going to feel good. Mm -hmm. But if I were to ground powerfully into embodying, like, okay, I've been carrying history in myself and now I'm ready to let that go and, and really be in myself. So that being in my heart comes from the foundation of being really it, loving myself and grounded in my lower, lower system. So, yeah, so that's some background into the quote. Yeah. I'm curious, what was the life turning point for you in becoming an empowered empath? And I know that's a tricky question because, of course, we're always becoming more, more of who we are. But I, I was thinking about that this morning, knowing we were going to speak what was the point? Was there a point in time or a series of events that 
helped you cross over from feeling the weight of it all or, or, or wobbling your way through it to recognizing, oh, sure, I mean, you're going to have days where you're more challenged than others, but you have enough tools and resources now that you can recognize you have a core of empowerment that you can lean on. Was there a point for you or an event or? I don't know if there was a, an, a point or an event, but I can say that last year, certainly in the pandemic year, and I feel like, you know, I've had lots of experiences of being able to stay with myself and um, essentially not make other people wrong for their experiences or for their emotions. I think those were some, there were some ways that I live and uh, that have e I've evolved to and being able to be with myself more. Um, but I do feel that the opportunity last year, you know, I, I would say it again, big generalization. I know not everyone had this experience, but it rocked us to some degree and, and everyone had their version of that. And I think my version of that was absolutely an empathic challenge, like challenge in, okay, are you like, you're, you're walking your talk now, like you've got to put your practice, put your practices into place. And, and, and a lot of that was, um, uh, yeah, just, you know, really letting go of taking so much responsibility for people and, you know, recognizing when I was making decisions because it was, it served the other person instead of me, or, you know, I could go down a list, but there were a lot of opportunities this in this last year, 2020, where I started to realize like, if I am living this process of being an empowered empath, it is a daily practice of connecting to myself and grounding and, you know, staying really aligned and not taking everything so personally, you know? And, and so I would say it was gradual, but I certainly felt like 2020 was the year of like the, the advanced training of throwing me into the, <laughs> into the fire of you're here, here you are going to live it now. <laughs> and, and you're a parent too. So you had that yeah. double whammy of homeschooling and, and which so many people I know have, have been through and I've heard, heard how that was for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I had a yep, home all year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's perfect timing really that you would up level uh, becoming an empowered empath while your book was on its way to be printed. I don't know if you experienced that, but I always find sometimes you're teaching something that you have a knowing of or a knowledge of. And so there's a kind of, you're, you're bringing something to the world that you have already been exploring or taught on. And you get a little upgrade on that maybe when you, when you focus a class on it. And then other times you'll pick the title of a class and as the facilitator or the teacher, you go through a massive kind of shift around it too, because you're immersing yourself into it in much the same way as you're offering to help co-create a container for the people who are walking through it with you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I do feel for part of this experience this past year too, is, is it was about embracing more of my humanity and being okay with that as a teacher. Like the more transparent I was with my students, uh, about things, not everything, but just things that were very relatable to them. It's the more trust built, the more connection happened. It was just, it's being able to, 
to shift. It wasn't really a, sh- I mean, I think it's just more of that part of me that came out that was allowing me to, to just really be human and embrace my humanity. Yeah. Which is great mm-hmm. because when, when I was growing up and I, I, you and I probably aren't too far away in age, it was very much, I remember spiritual teachers or authors or like I, you didn't really know much about them. You knew what they did or you knew what they were bringing. And and you could say that with many different um, careers, actually. I feel like we're in a very humanizing time, but especially where spirituality is concerned. I wish I had known more about the intersection of our human self and our spiritual self, because for so many years, like many people, I remember thinking, oh, human bad, spiritual good, you know, kind of that there was that kind of um, slightly uh, just just that kind of purity uh, standard that was kind of out of reach for many people rather than recognizing who we are as human beings is a spiritual experience all by itself, whether you think about spirituality or not. Yeah, absolutely. I loved in the intro for the book. Um, so you have a, a forward from Gabrielle Bernstein, and she shared how uh, she was leading um, a workshop and was was noticing that it was impacting her as the days went on. And she saw you in the cafeteria and uh, came over to talk to you. And um, she she shares how it was during that time <laughs> that she was learning a whole new level of if you like the lower body stuff. And and it made sense to me reading her story because Gabby had come from being a keynote speaker. And I personally had started leading workshops and then later did the keynote speaking. And when you do go through an energy movement like that with a group, it's, it's amplified life, it's amplified feelings. So I really liked the way that Gabrielle explained that in the beginning of the book, that she was having a bit of an epiphany around, oh, holding space for four days and being in the soup with everybody for four days as, as things move. So she was very complimentary about, she found you at the right time and it helped her to deepen what she was doing. And I know you two have co-taught together and, um, and yeah, I was curious how that has gone for you with, with the intersection of collaborating with other people and bringing your knowledge to their work and vice versa, how that, how that has been. Yeah, well, it was actually that training that weekend. She asked me to come and teach to her class as this was occurring for her, you know, in that space. Can you t- talk about trauma? Can you talk about the energy body and how people can take care of their energy? And so that was, <clears throat> you know, that was sort of adjunct to what she was teaching in, in that at that time. Um, but I, I love, I mean, I love co-teaching. I love, you know, supporting and go coming in and, you know, working, you know, collaborating, um, in, in these kinds of events. And so she, she was, yeah, it was great. I mean, it was really, um, a powerful meeting the two other, the, you know, us meeting and had breakfast every morning, had lunch every afternoon and dinner. We'd meet at the same time in the teacher lounge and we'd just, it was, you know, a convert. We were just two girls <laughs> going right. at it. And then, you know, talking and talking, we'd, we'd have to run to our teaching and come back and finish our conversations. But it was, yeah, it was a, it was a great, she's a wonderful person and so, so generous. Beautiful. I'm interested how parenting has been for you, Wendy. I think from my perspective as a child who grew up 
with a loving, supportive family, but not a family or even a world that was privy to some of the stuff I was experiencing. I think how great that your kids could be getting, you know, receiving that level of awareness from you. But I know parenting is is is, a, is an interesting thing all by itself. So perhaps anything you'd be willing to share on how you have been able to incorporate your awareness into your parenting in order to support their journey. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I have, so I have a stepson and I have a daughter, um, stepson's 11, daughter's six. And um, they are both very intuitive and very sensitive children. And obviously at different ages, they have different understanding levels. And, um, and uh, I can just say this bit about my stepson because he's between, uh, you know, he has, he has more role models than me, <laughs> um, which is that he's, you know, he understands a lot and I can speak very clearly and we can, I mean, he and I can connect and on this, he's interested, he's very interested in his sensitive and spiritual side. Um, that's what I would call it. He, he, I don't know that he has those words yet, but um, my daughter is a mirror image of me as a child. And I, I wish I could take away a lot of her oversensitive experiences I'm witnessing, despite how much I know and despite how much I'm conscious of. And at the same time, I do try to, to work with it. And so some of the ways that I work with it is that, you know, empaths and as us as children, we've learned how to navigate the unspoken. So that means that we've been raised in environments where energy wasn't necessarily claimed. There might not be responsibility taken for a lot of emotions that were flying around, you know, and, and children soak up everything. And so, so it's very important that I start to put words to her experience for her, sometimes as a modeling uh, or, or, or inviting her to have words for her experience. So I might say, you know, if she's expressing anger, I might say, you seem angry right now. And she'll say, I am angry. And I say, okay, what would you like to do? I just want to kick this. Okay, let's go outside and kick that. You know, and so we, you know, I'll take her, you know, I'll let her have her emotions. Um, and sometimes I'll just be present with her as she's having them. But I also, it's important to me that she can talk through or have her throat chakra experience is what I call it. Her, her way of expressing, her way of putting words to her experience that she's having, because again, it's, it's, a, it's a way for her to build her own ability to connect to herself and her emotions, which is gonna help it serve her later even if she's feeling still very sensitive. So I'm still working with the empathic part of her, but that is one big step that I'm doing. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the, it's funny again, you you just saying what you said, I'm like, God, yeah, that I, I remember so vividly when I would hear someone speaking about feelings as a kid in an open and overt way, I was like, oh, you know, it was kind of like, oh my God, someone's actually talking about, because to me, oh, that was, that was what I needed for my, that was what helped me start to find my way out of feeling tormented as a teenager in, internally. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fantastic. Um, and there's something I wanted to get your take on, 
because I remember over the years having met many different people in workshop rooms that I was either a student of or workshop rooms that I was holding. Um, one of the things that you hear people complain about uh, when they are either calling themselves an empath or having those experiences, they'll talk about taking on the energy of others. And it can often be colored with uh, a victimhood, which is, as yeah. we know, a very important stage. It, you know, owning the part of you that feels like a victim, if you don't own it, you will stay in victim. If you don't really go there and kind of feel the grief of that, it won't move. And one of the things I wanted to run by you because of some of the stuff that you have in the book, what would you say is, is an important thing that someone who wants to stop taking on other people's energy might need to know or advice that you might have for that pattern of behavior? Because I see so many people saying they're trapped in it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's powerlessness. It's the feeling of being stuck in powerlessness, which comes from a childhood experience of being trapped with a feeling, trapped in an experience and not being able to express that feeling, not being able to go to anyone. And so this, this sort of default powerlessness place is, is literally a place of feeling trapped. And so what we need, what, what I love in, um, I talk about this in the book is inner child work is that when it's not necessarily the adult that's trapped or, or even the victim, it's the child who needs our attention internally. And that's the part of us that's sad, that's powerless, that needs our attention, maybe not always powerless, but feeling really feeling something uh, and we need our needs our attention and so if we were to go to that part of ourselves through a meditation you know close our eyes go inward connect to the inner child which i in in empathic work i visualize lower in the body i mean really more like the pelvis mm. or the maybe the navel region but that part of us that is somewhat stuck in an experience that the inner child might be marinating in a really ugly feeling, a really, you know, experience that feels like I couldn't, I feel trapped in this. And, and it's an inner feeling. And so when we can start to give our inner child connection there and say, I'm here, I've got you, we're going to together breathe through those emotions. That was not okay. I'm here with you now. I'm so sorry that happened or you feel that way. Let's breathe. Let's get you out of being trapped in those feelings. Let's move those feelings. Let's breathe them down our grounding cord. Let's move them out of our energy body. And we start to literally create more space for the inner child in the body. It's a powerful way to move out of victimhood. And to anyone who's listening to this or watching this and how because everything you just said is is fantastic and i can also imagine for some people who who feeling stuck right now the resistance might be oh that's a lot of work i don't want to but but the point and this is really what you underscore in the book is that we do this to reclaim our gifts so that being an empath is not a curse there is a gift in it but often when we haven't been able to acknowledge it or love it or support it the way it needed support, that aspect in us and of us. Uh, we can't really uncover the gift that we're here to, to bring to the world or to share from that part of ourselves that has been 
a little ignored or abandoned over the years. Absolutely. And, and, and this might be helpful in that, you know, each of the, in the chapters of my book, at most of them have meditations at the end and they are written and they're also recorded. So you can, there's a link and you can listen to the recordings and even to the feeling that it, it's, it's a lot of work. There's, there's the feeling that the, the meditations might range between 10 minutes to 20 minutes. So it's 10 minutes to 20 minutes of sitting and being guided through that experience of clearing in the body. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful held way to move through the work so that it doesn't feel like it's this endless amount of time that I have to spend, you know, healing myself. There, there's a ways that when we do sit down and go inward into that space, you know, it's, it's a timeless place where a lot of energy can move in the body. So those meditations could be helpful. That's beautiful. That's a really great, that's a really great thing. And I know that we, first of all, thank you for coming on the show today. It's been, it's been really great to get to know you more and learn a bit more about your work. And we've, we've mostly focused, because you've just released the book, and I think the book and the subject of the book is so important right now, we've mostly focused there. But I know you have your School of Intuitive Studies, and as you shared with us, you've been teaching intuition for a couple of decades now. So how, if, if I were listening to or watching this and I either know I'm already intuitive or I'm beginning to feel I'm intuitive, how does it work that I could come to you or someone else and learn to train and develop my intuition? What is the process by which we can grow the intuition that we already feel we have or we might have? Because I, again, I've often heard people have a slightly mystified idea about that, that it's, well, you either have it or you don't. So I'm always, I'm always really glad to see people like yourself out there working with people on developing their intuition in that way. Yeah. Can, is there anything you can share with yeah. us about that process of developing? Intuition. Yeah. So, um, some, so first I, this goes back to upper and lower body intuition in that uh, it's important some, for people, I think, in my experience, to, to know what aspects of intuition they innately have, which relates to which power centers they innately come into this world with very strong. You know, I have a strong throat chakra. I've, I, I am clairaudient. I see, see I've been a speaker. I've been a singer. I've been a musician. I've been a, you know, everything has been here. And I have other strong and weak areas of my, my chakras also, but the, um, the, the power centers. So basically with intuition, I focus on chakra work initially and deep healing in it because the power centers relate to our clairs, our clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient, claircognizant. So some people will come into the world strong in their upper body intuition. Some will come into the world strong in their lower and some will come into the world, but with both you know, really strong. And so being able to orient the intuitive experience to the body and understanding where intuition is operating from in the body gives us a tool for where to go inside ourselves when we have intuitive gut feelings or, you know, 
you know, where I'm hearing this guidance that's coming through, where is that voice coming from? Um, you know, in some cases it can be very ambiguous, you know, it can seem like it's, um, it's an out of control experience until it becomes embodied and integrated. So well, I'll teach first through the chakra system, major clearing work. And even if people have gone through chakras 10,000 times, this is, I go through them in a very particular way for the purpose of clearing in the body. Then we move into the clairs and understanding how they relate and how to work with them. Then we move into different aspects of intuition, like you know, cord cutting and contracts and, you know, sort of the tools and healing. And, and then we move into spirit guides, angels. But I, I start from the, the ground up. So really working with the body and um, and sort of elevating to upper Claire work, but through the power of first really embodying in the lower body. Beautiful. And I guess as a as a kind of conclusion to our conversation, um, what would the, let's say, 10-year-old you think of the life and the world that you have created and for yourself and are currently experiencing? Like if she could take a glimpse at your life, your world, your work, what would she think of it all? Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. Just as I think about that time period of my life, which was not easy then she probably wouldn't believe it that 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 I could have gotten here like from what she was experiencing she would be very surprised mm. I think that fantastic yeah yeah that's what I think beautiful and yeah. well I'm gonna squeeze one more in because I can't help myself um <laughs> what are you looking forward to in the next couple of years be that life, work, all of the above is what are you looking to experience, conjure or bring in in the next, let's say two, two, three years? Me personally, yeah, for myself. Um, I think two things. One is a lot more uh, work-life balance mm-hmm. <laughs> in my life. I, I have a dream of just really spending more sacred sites, visiting more sacred sites and taking my family to sacred sites. Um, and the other is my school, is just seeing my uh, school grow and that I'm not only the only teacher at my school, but we have, you know, are some of our graduates, you know, teaching and really creating an opportunity for more growth and getting the work out there in the world and supporting people and in, in developing their intuition. So yeah, that's what I'm mostly looking forward to. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for all the work you do to impact the world. And thank you for coming here today and, and speaking with us. And we will share all of your links in the show notes. But if you wanted to learn more about Wendy's work, the book, uh, or the School of Intuitive Studies. And I also know you have a, a divine monthly, is it the divine monthly healing circle? Mm-hmm. or yeah. Divine healing inner circle. Yeah. Divine healing mm-hmm. inner circle um, as well. You can find all of that at wendyderosa.com. But Wendy, thank you so much and good luck with, with, with everything that you're visioning and creating in the next couple of years. Oh, thank you so much, Lee. Thank you for having me. 
So thanks for tuning in, everyone. And we will see you next time on Impact the World. And as I shared, wendyderosa.com is where you can learn more about Wendy's work. And we will put the link in the show notes. Until next time, take care. Own Your Value is my course for entrepreneurs, creatives, change makers who want to expand the work they do in the world. You know, I've done this for 16 years now, and one of the hardest things that I ever went through was learning how to own the value of what I did. And I think that's really human, especially when you first start working for yourself, but also sometimes if you're working in a slightly more esoteric field or the healing fields or the fields of the arts, it's how can we place a value on our work, both energetically, but also sometimes financially. And the thing about money and energy exchange is people, myself included, will pay for something that they receive value and energy from. So one of the biggest things that you often have to work out if you are looking to expand your business is, well, how can I increase the value in the services that I'm offering to people? How can I get more behind that so that what they receive to them is inherently valuable? And this is true whether you're offering free work in the world, which we do a lot of, or if you're offering paid experiences for people. So Own Your Value is a few different things. It's a course that's designed to be a starter kit for those of you that are perhaps new to putting your own work in the world, but you want to find different ways to offer things, how you can expand your message, your services, your work. But equally, it's for those of you who might be doing this work part-time or you've just started and you know you want to scale what you're doing. You want to serve more people, reach more people, and also grow your mission. So if you feel that you would like to take your work, your mission, and what you're offering to the world to the next level, I invite you to check out Own Your Value and see if it resonates with you and if it's right for you. There are many different modules covered. It's all video and audio teaching, so you can access it anytime. And once you're in the course, you have it for your lifetime. Also, I'm running some live clinic calls where I will be speaking to those of you in the course about your direct questions and answering them in real time on live calls that will then be archived. We've had over 600 students go through the course so far and we're thrilled to be relaunching it at a time where I'm aware that many of you will be looking to expand the way you work in the world and the way that you offer your work in the world. We hope to see you there.